You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Me. And as ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to welcome back to the programme, the brilliant Dan Potts. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Cheers, Harry, man. I'm I'm, I'm really happy because I managed to get my hair cut today, man, because lockdown's now finished. <laughs> so I am so lucky, man. I was saying to you off air about the actual cues in the lines of people wanting to get their hair cut, man. It's, it's scary times, but... Uh, Man, I'm looking refreshed and feel it as well, but I'm happy to be joined by you, man. Do you know what? I think I've spoken to about maybe 10 people today and every single one of them went to the barbers. <laughs> every single one of them. It was like the first port of call for everybody, wasn't it? To get yeah, to the man. barbers, get a haircut. Um, because, yeah, you know, it, it just makes you feel better, doesn't it? Makes you feel better. Of course it does, man. 100%. Mate, I need to be feeling better at the moment watching our football team. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't can't disagree with you there. Right, on uh, this edition of the podcast, we're going to be discussing Thomas Partey's fitness. We're going to be discussing the vote of confidence that Mikel Arteta is said to have received from the board. We're going to be talking uh, about all sorts of other nonsense that's Arsenal-related, of course, that comes to mind uh, during the programme. And we'd love to hear from you guys in the chat. So if you've got any questions, any any thoughts that you want to get across, get them in the live chat and we'll come to as many of those as we possibly can between now and the end of the show. Right, let's start off, Dan, um, with the news about Thomas Partey. Of course, Mikel Arteta faced the, the press today. Uh, he spoke about Thomas Partey, um, said that he would love to play tomorrow if he could and that Thomas Partey is really, really pushing uh, to get back into the side. But um, we still don't know that he will... Uh, be available for this Sunday's North London derby. I don't think he will be. I've got to be honest. And I put out a tweet this morning where I was a little bit concerned, actually, because, you know, when Arsenal released those injury updates on the website where they literally go through all the players and they say, um, this player is expected to return to training on this date. This player is expected to be in a group training session on this date. This player will is hoping to return by the end of whatever they don't say anything about Thomas Partey. It says that he's continuing his rehabilitation. Some Arsenal fans think that Mikel Arteta is playing mind games and that actually Thomas Partey is going to be available at the weekend. Um, he's definitely, I think, out of the game uh, in the Europa League. And, and even if he was fit, given that he's suffered this injury, I wouldn't risk him in a game like that. But where, where do you kind of stand on this? Are you hopeful that maybe, just maybe, Thomas Partey might make Sunday's derby? Well, we certainly need him, Harry, that's for sure. I mean, I'd, I'd go as far to say that our midfield's weaker than it was last year because Lucas Torreira and Guendouzi would both walk into this side. So I think that we need Thomas Partey personally. Uh, I don't think he's going to make Spurs. I was hoping that 
he would have the Wolves game out and that would be it. But we heard the rumours that the injury looks to be longer than expected. I heard some rumours today to say that he is actually going to be fit and it's touch and go whether he'll start or make the bench. I don't expect to see him at all. I just think that it's going to be too soon for him after hearing those rumours of longer term injury. I'm not so sure that a few days later we're going to see him on the bench. I don't think Arteta would play those mind games with Thomas Party. It seems that Mourinho is trying to play them with Harry Kane again. We all know Harry Kane's going to play. He does every single game. That yeah, guy exactly. is, is out for 12 weeks and then 12 days later he comes back and he's firing again. So um, I don't expect to see him out. Thomas Party is going to be huge for us though, Harry, because it just seems the Arsenal way, doesn't it, at the moment, that Pablo Marie has never been injured more than three games in his life and he had a stub toe in June and we haven't seen him since. I just don't quite understand what goes on with this Arsenal players. As soon as they come to our training ground, as soon as they come to our club, they pick up injuries. Thomas Party has never missed more than three Liga games in a season and now all of a sudden he's potentially two months out and he's only played, kicked a football three times for Arsenal. So, we need him, mate. We need him. I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of him already. I think what he's done at Atletico Madrid speaks volumes. And I think that when he's been in the Arsenal midfield, we definitely look a better side. So I'm praying that it's not as bad as, as we as we kind of fear, really. Yeah, agree. And I just want to show you guys, for those of you watching us on YouTube, what I mean about that injury update. So those of you that are watching us on the video, you'll be able to see it. If you're not, I'll explain it. Don't worry. Um, so we know, you know, take, for example, uh, you know, say a Kolasinac, you know, they, they're they very clear that he's available for Thursday's match. You look at Pablo Marie and it says he continues uh, to participate in full training sessions as he approaches full match fitness. He successfully completed 45 minutes for the under-23s on Friday. If you look at Gabriel Martinelli, uh, it says Gabby's now integrating his squad sessions, aiming to participate in an under-23s match before the end of December. So although their aims... You know, they're, they're very sort of specific, um, you know, outlines, if you like, as to when Arsenal expect those players to be back. But when it comes to Thomas Partey, they've not really been that clear. I don't think he's going to make it. Um, I'll say it again. I, I can't see him uh, recovering in time for Sunday's North London derby. It'd be great if he did. But then even if he did, Dan, I mean, how fit would he actually be? And if you're looking at a player as important as Thomas Partey, you know, I know the North London derby is a huge, huge fixture, but in the context of our whole season, and when you look at how dire our midfield has been of late, surely you cannot take a risk that could potentially see him miss longer by rushing him back just because it spurs. Well, if he's fit, he plays. And if he's not 100% fit, then he may play a part of the game. But I don't think that if it is a question of touch and go, that we should risk him at all. Because I think he's so important to our team. And if you're going to miss him against Spurs, I'd rather miss him against that Spurs game and see him play a run of games after that than to make him play half an hour or 60 minutes of the Spurs game just because we feel we're so desperate for him. And then he's out for another five weeks. I just don't think we can take the risk of a player as important as Thomas Partey. If it was a player that was young or just coming through and we felt that Maitland-Niles was needed for it, then maybe I would take the risk. But I feel like such an influential um, player in Thomas Partey would just not be worth the risk. And it's going to be an interesting one to see what would happen if to deputise for Thomas Partey because we've seen Shaka and Sabayas fail plenty of times together and go through a good cup run. Um, we've seen El Nenny, who now comes back from coronavirus. We're going to look at the likes of Maitland-Niles or Willock that may get a start in there. There's just no one that replaces Thomas Partey for me. So he's so, so important, mate. So important. 
He is indeed. Let's just quickly run you through the comments that Mikel Arteta made with regards to Thomas Partey and, of course, the pre-match press conference ahead of the visit of Rapid Vienna, the first game in which fans will be allowed back into the Emirates Stadium. Stay tuned to the Chronicles of Aguna for some content from the Emirates Stadium. So I'm going to be there and I'm going to be bringing you a post-match video uh, from the Emirates Stadium. We'll be talking about the game, but also we'll be talking about how it all went and how the atmosphere was and kind of um, how strange it was to be in there. So um, looking forward to putting that one together. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But Mikel Arteta said he's been training separately in the last week or so, and we have to scan him again to see how he's feeling. He's a player that is so willing that is pushing us every day and he wants to do it. At the same time, we have to protect him and make sure that when he gets back in the team, he is ready to do that and to whatever extent of minutes we can use him. So it's going to be crucial with the moment he starts to train with the team to see how he's feeling and how he's evolving day to day. He was then asked whether he is um, he's going to be involved on Sunday, whether he thinks he can be involved on Sunday. And he said, we don't know again. He's really pushing every day and trying to get around the doctor and the physios, but he hasn't trained with trained with the team yet. So let's see this week if he can get a session or two and then assess him. We need to scan him again, um, all that usual stuff. And, and obviously they're waiting for the medical staff to, to give Thomas Partey the green light. The fact that he hasn't trained this week and it's Wednesday, you know, we're recording this Wednesday night. I think for me, says it all. I, I think that from that, you can draw your conclusion. I think it says it all that he's going to be out for the game in the weekend, but I don't think it says it all that he's going to be out for months, like people have said, because if he's looking at, oh, is he going to be okay over the next couple of weeks? We just need to make sure the scan's okay. I don't think that's going to be, I think Arteta will be, he's been pretty honest and transparent as far as interviews are concerned. And I think that he would do that in press conferences. He would say, no, I'm afraid it's going to be another couple of months. Because why would he lie? Why would he have to lie about that? I don't think it's like a, a, a kind of a secret, so to speak, if he is out long term. So I would say that it's pretty hopeful that, you know, he's going to be back in the next couple of weeks or the next week or two. But I don't know if he's going to make the Spurs game. That's what I would take from that statement personally. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying in the live chat with regards to Thomas Partey. Uh, lots of you saying hello, first of all. Sorry, I missed these. Uh, big hello to Rahil. How you doing, mate? He says, keep up the good work. Uh, Zachary says, afternoon, fellas. Uh, you must be in the States if it's afternoon <laughs> over there. Uh, it's pretty late over here. <laughs> Keeping Dan up past his bedtime. Uh, Faye. Vitality Chameleon says, hey, finally a group I can hear talking sense. Thank you, mate. Welcome to the show. Big hello to everybody else. Uh, MS Hussein in Milton Keynes um, and Tim in Exeter. How are you guys all doing? Um, let's see. Uh, Chris Castell says, didn't he do something similar with Rob Holding against Man United last season? I honestly can't remember. I've got to be honest. Right now, it's not coming to me. Maybe it's because it's late, uh, but it's not coming to me. Uh Fatality says, uh, don't see Mikel doing that. And I doubt Jose is at all scared right now. Um, let's see uh, what else you guys are saying. Jack Burgess says, really do think Partey will play Sunday. Have a feeling he's a lot closer than reported. Um, Abdi Aziz says, it's a derby. Form is out the window. We just need to dominate the game like we have always. Hopefully Partey is available. So lots of people are pretty confident that Thomas yeah, Partey surprised. Yeah, will will play a part. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um I'd I'd like to think he will be, but I couldn't with any degree of confidence say that he will be. So we'll have to wait and see. In other news Dan, uh, the, David Ornstein has reported that the club are fully behind 
Mikel Arteta. Now, of course, Arsenal have been on a poor run of results in the Premier League of late, and Mikel Arteta has come under intense scrutiny from sections of the Arsenal fan base. But it seems that as far as the club are concerned, as far as the Cronkies are concerned, and those uh, sort of in the higher positions at the Emirates Stadium, actually, Mikel Arteta is pretty safe. Now, me and you have spoken about this, Dan, on other shows this week. And I'm pretty confident that Mikel Arteta isn't going anywhere, at least until the end of the season. And even then, I think it's got to be a real catastrophe of a season for Arsenal to pull the plug on Mikel Arteta. I think they've given him additional responsibility. They've given him a, a vote of confidence. They've, the, you know, the Cronkies in particular have put their hands in their pockets and made sure that he got one of the centre midfielders that he really wanted in Thomas Partey. I can't see him being shoved out. David Ornstein doesn't think he's going to be shoved out. And, you know, I guess at this stage, it's probably the right thing. I wouldn't say it's gotten so bad that we have to be thinking about sacking him. Would you agree? I think he's going to make the season whatever. I'm with you. I don't think the board wants to get rid of this guy. And I don't actually think deep down the fans do. And the reason I say that is because... If he's staying, it means we are progressing. And surely as an Arsenal fan, that's what you want to see. You want to see your team winning. And I know there's some people out there with their own agendas and they want Arteta out, whatever, just to basically say that I told you so. But in my opinion, I would love to see this guy turn it around because I actually think that he's got the makings of a great manager. Now, a lot of people don't want the fact that he's learning on the job. And a lot of the fans wanted an Allegri or a Simeone. And I was one of those, you know, because I felt that we needed an experienced coach. I thought we needed somebody with this players that I don't rate, as you know, I think most of them are bang average. Uh, we needed someone with a little bit of an understanding of how to get a team over the line. Now, he proved that he could win something with his side and he could go on a good cup run. But at the moment, in the league, he's continued to struggle. And I'm just frustrated with him at the moment for not showing me solutions. That is my biggest criticism of Mikel Arteta. He's got some solutions on the bench. We've seen them on Thursday nights come on and perform like we, uh, like uh, Willock and Nelson and Maitland-Niles and the Balogans of this world, Smith-Rose, etc. I would like to see him use some of those personally. Now, when I look at it, I feel... Like the board don't want to get that uh, ruthless gooner, Potsy PM. <laughs> what a top man. What a top man. Cheers, bro. Uh, I would say personally that we're going to get to a stage with the fans that they are going to have to accept that um, this guy is not going anywhere because I don't believe the board wants to get rid of him. January is a massive, massive, massive month for us, Harry. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Because... Do you think he'll get backed? Do you think, do you think they'll go and spend in January? Uh, if he, if January was tomorrow, then I'd say absolutely 100%. But I feel that, uh, sorry, I've, I've said that the wrong way around. If January's tomorrow, I'd say potentially no. But I believe we're going to lose a few more games until January. So I actually think that if you look at the com coming games, you've got Tottenham, you've got Burnley, you've got Southampton, you've got Everton, you've got Chelsea. Those five games, they worry me, every single one of those, because Southampton are playing well. Burnley are always a team that could, could nick it 1-0. Spurs are on form. Chelsea are on form. And Everton are a different animal this year. So there's five games there that get to Boxing Day and we could be in the relegation zone. No joke. So if it does get to that stage and we are in a position that perhaps, you know, we're looking at fighting towards the bottom as opposed to the top, then, yeah, I think he 100% has to be backed in that situation just to get us out of trouble. I believe he needs to be backed anyway. 
Um, but what can you do in January? I mean, especially in, during a pandemic. Um, I think, you know, Dominic uh, Zabozla has been mentioned from Salzburg, who I think would be a great signing. 18 appearances, nine assists and eight goals so far this season in the Champions League and league form. That's the sort of player that potentially we're missing. We were looking at uh, the Hossam Auer deal in for Leon, which I went on record and said that I'd heard reliably that we'd signed him and it all went to, to pot with the Leon president. That's another option for me. You know, Leon aren't in Europe, so we can offer him Europe at least. Um, but it's going to be hard to attract these players the way we're playing at the moment, Harry. You know, I'd like to see us with Gabriel and Party in the team more often. But January is a big, big month and he needs to be backed and not just with one player. You know, Dominic Zobozla is not going to be enough to get us into the top four, which is where we all want. We're going to need two or three. And I'm not so sure that's going to happen in January, man. Interestingly, with Sobozla as well, um, he's got a 25 million euro release clause, which is very affordable for a player with, you know, I'm not going to say he's the finished article because he's not and he's very young and, and, you know, obviously there's still a lot of development. You've also got to take into consideration where he's playing his football. He's playing in the Austrian Bundesliga, which with all due respect is not one of the elite leagues in Europe. Will he need some time to adapt uh, if he does come to the Premier League? I'm sure he will. But for somebody who appears to have such a high ceiling like Dominic Sobosly, 25 million euros feels like pocket change. The thing is here, I think we're going to learn a lot about, you know, we know that the Cronkies and, and the club's hierarchy are behind Mikel Arteta. We know they're backing Mikel Arteta. But I think January is going to tell us a lot about how much they're backing it and how much the Cronkies are willing to dip into their pockets to get deals done if they well, obviously if they can be done you know we, our expectations have to be managed going into January because January as everybody knows is notoriously a difficult month and I think it's a difficult month under normal circumstances let alone after a global pandemic you know there's news today in the UK that the vaccine's been approved which is obviously fantastic news because you know, the quicker that gets rolled out, the quicker we get fans back in stadiums, the quicker, quicker the revenues go back up and the quicker we get to see the game of football that we've come to get used to throughout our lives and not this strange game that's being played in front of zero spectators and all of that. So, you know, all of that is is in, is in coming, but it's not going to happen by January. So will Arsenal feel as though the situation with regards to the squad is so bad that they need to put their hands in their pockets again um, because we know they did that for Thomas Partey. I keep mentioning that, but I think that's important because a lot of people are, are always looking for something to beat the Cronkies with. And in the past, I've been very critical of them. I, I take issue with the fact that they're always absent. They're not really as involved as maybe some of the other owners are. Maybe they're not as hands-on enough. But they did... They did invest. Um, they did invest over the summer, despite us not being able to shift out a lot of the deadwood that we were hoping to. So, you know, it, it, I just think it's going to be a really interesting window. I just wonder if, given the kind of faith they've shown in Mikel, if they're going to go big in January and say, you know, here, here you go, mate. Here's another 40, 50 million pounds. Um, let's improve this squad further because we've seen the first half of the season, um, not even half, but we've seen the first part of the season. And we know 
and we can see and you can see and you've come and told us and Edu's come and told us um, that that we we desperately need recruits in certain positions. I just wonder. I'm not. I'm not sure how do you. How well, do you listen, recommend? I hope so. I hope so. I massively hope so. I think what we do need is players because the ones that have been even new or young are impressing us. You see, and I'm looking at the players of Saka and the Martinelli's of this world that look fantastic and look special, like Fabregas did when he came on the scene, and the Wilshers did when he came on the scene. But the players that have actually been brought in, like the Gabriels, who I think has been our player of the season, you've got Party, who's been fantastic in there when he has been fit. Kieran Tierney showing why he's been wanted by all across the world when we got him. I think when you look at the likes of um, some of the other youngsters that are coming through, you can say that potentially they're looking like they could be a great player for Arsenal in, in a few years' time. But I think what we need right now is something that replaces the Wenger players. And I'm looking up five upgrades, potentially. Now, it's not going to happen in January. But over the next coming windows, we need some outgoings and we need some incomings. And that outgoings is going to be a question mark for me. Because I think in the six-month period that those players have got left at their club, they are more than happy to sit there in training and earn the ridiculous wages that they are. And I think outgoings is going to be yet again another problem this window. But I'm looking at some of the positions. I think Bellerin needs upgrading. I know you disagree. I think Granite Chaka needs upgrading. I know you disagree. I think Lacazette, personally, has proven that he does not deserve... I don't don't disagree. I, I don't disagree. I think they do need upgrading... In the long term, I do. I just don't think that, for example, Bellerin in particular is our major is a major issue right now. That's all. I, I do look. There are better right backs in the world than Hector Bellerin, and I'd like to see one of those come and play for Arsenal. There are better centre midfielders than Granit Xhaka. I just, I, I feel like there are certain players within the group that the fans are very quick to jump on, and I think they are two of them. I think you're right. And I think the reason that, and I certainly believe the fans have justification to get on their backs, because when I see someone have four bad games, I give them credit. I give them, uh, you know, they've got a bit more credit in the bank to say, well, it's four games, man, come on, you can turn this around. Some of these players, Harry, have had four bad seasons. You know, I think Chak has had four bad seasons. I know that you like the lad. Uh, four bad seasons for Bellerin. I don't think it's just his injury. I think he's been bad since 2016, the year after Leicester won the league. I don't think he's quite whatever, mentally, physically, whatever it be. I think Lacazette's had two bad seasons now, maybe two and a half if you count the start of this one. I don't really see that I'm looking at these players anymore thinking you've got what it takes to take us forward. And I'd like to see them replaced. And I feel like Chaka had a chance to be replaced and he kept him. Um, Bellerin, PSG and Juventus apparently wanted. We kept him. Lacazette, there was huge rumours about him leaving. We've kept him. So I just wonder if Arteta's given them just this season to see how they react to that. And I feel personally he'll be disappointed because he has put faith in them. And that's my one criticism is he's looked at these players that have let us down for four seasons and he's just thought they were going to be good. And he's kind of trusted the ones that can't be trusted, in my opinion. Um, So I'd like to see him put more trust in some of the youngsters now because when you look at the likes of Saliba, we don't know what he's going to be like because he's not trusted him. He's not really trusted Martinelli. Everybody talks about Martinelli coming back. He's only 19 years old, by the way, but everyone thinks he's going to be the saviour of the season. Martinelli wasn't even getting games. He wasn't even getting games ahead of Eddie and Kea and, and Lacazette and Aubameyang. So why do we think he's going to walk straight in the side? I mean, he should do, but we're not. I'm not sure I can trust this manager to do that. I think Maitland-Niles deserves more game time and he's not getting it currently. I mean, Bellerin and Cedric are getting ahead of him at right back and he's not getting a go in midfield. So he must be thinking, why did I not go to Wolves? Lots of question marks, Harry, about this, this kind of squad of players. And I wonder if Arteta is scratching his head himself, thinking, what can I do here? So I hope he gets backed in January and the summer. 
I think he definitely will if he's still here in the summer get back. So I think he has to, no matter where we finish and what we do. We want to be moving forward. So I look at the players and I don't see that we can move forward with the likes of Chaka, Lacazette and Bellerin in particular. But I do believe that we have some positives in that side that it's not all bad news. Yeah, good stuff. Totally. Uh, well, I'm not going to say I totally agree with you because I disagree with you <laughs> slightly on some of the points. But yeah, no, you make the points well, of course, as always. Uh, let's have a look at what's going on in the live chat. By the way, if you haven't already, make sure you smash that like button. Um, I can see there's plenty of you watching us live at the moment uh, on YouTube in particular. So if you haven't already smashed that like button, please do. I can see there's only 21 likes, but there's well over 100 of you tuned in live at the moment. So uh, make sure you smash that like button. It really, really does help the video. Right. Let's see what you guys are saying. Um, just scrolling through. Um, lots of potsy for PM stuff going on in the chat. Um, much I'd love, vote man. for you much rather love. than these clowns we got at the moment. Oh yeah, man, listen, there ain't, much, there ain't much to choose from, is there? Do you know what I mean? I don't have to take it as a compliment <laughs> or not going up against people like Boris and Corbyn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Tim says the players are letting down Arsenal, not the manager. Always easy to blame the manager. What about the players? Yeah, look, they, they have a responsibility as well. Um, it, you know, I hear this argument a lot that it's solely the players and people shouldn't ever sort of point the finger at the manager. But in any walk of life, in any job, when you're a manager, you're responsible for the performance of your team. That's that's your responsibility. So I I get it. You know, we, we have to be sensible. We have to look at it and understand that it's not just Mikel Arteta that hasn't been good enough of late. The players have to take a huge responsibility for that. But I also don't take issue with people who say the manager is responsible because ultimately he is. Um, that's just the way it works. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Jabulani says uh, Arteta needs players. No coach can achieve consistency without quality players. If Xhaka turns around and passes to our keeper while we're in full counter-attack mode, what can Arteta do? <laughs> <laughs> Chris says, I don't want to be a dreamer, but the fact that currently in the EPL, all of the teams other than Spurs, Chelsea and Liverpool have three losses must account to something. Yeah, I mean, we have lost five games. Three of those games, um, you know, well, we had three of the games that we probably definitely should have lost. We lost at Liverpool. We lost against City. We went away to Man United and we got a win. And I guess if you replace the Wolves game with the Man United game, had we lost at United and beaten Wolves, then I think people would be feeling a bit better. And it's weird. Do you know what I mean? It's weird. Like the points tally is the same, but it's this mentality thing of like, yes, we beat a team that we really didn't have a right to beat away from home, a team who were better than us last season, a team who finished above us. But then we, because we lost to Wolves, and we lost to Villa and we, do you know what I mean? It's, it's the same points, but it's the way of, of, of perceiving I think it's it, because it? it's a change. And I think that they can't quite accept it, Arsenal fans, that we are somehow competing now with the big games and losing the ones that we used to always not have to worry about. I mean, Aston Villa and Wolves and even Leicester at home. I can't remember the last time we've lost to those three teams at the Emirates, if I'm honest with you, because it's been a long time. I think Leicester was a while. Villa was definitely a long time. And then you look at the Wolves situation. So, yeah, I think you're right there. Perhaps if we would have won those three games and then lost to Liverpool, Man United and City, it would have been the same old Arsenal. Uh, do you know what I mean? So I think that it gets to a stage now where that's 
that's definitely changed. I think we can seem to compete for whatever reason with the big teams. On that note then, do you feel like I feel? Because I'm not saying I'm confident going into the North London derby. I'm absolutely not. But I feel more confident that Mikel Arteta will get it right in these kind of fixtures. And that says a lot about sort of what he's instilled at the club. The only reason that we've got half a chance is because it's the similar sort of games that we went through with the cup run, isn't it? You know, when we had the cities and Chelsea's of this world and we seem to pull it off by playing a style that perhaps isn't that attractive to watch. The problem we've got is we're coming up against a team that is playing a style that is very unattractive to watch, but they've got two players that can finish their dinner and we can't. And this is the problem. If we do want to take three points at the weekend, we have to take our chances. And I don't have the confidence in this front three to do so at the moment, particularly if he's going to continue with Willian Lacazette and Aubameyang as a front three. So I think when you look at it, Harry, this is a game that I do not think we're going to win. But it would be very Arsenal, wouldn't it, to beat Tottenham and lose to Burnley next week? That would be yeah. the very Arsenal way. Uh, that seems that is the Arsenal way this season. So let's see what happens, man. We've got to try and get up to it. I refuse to lose this game. I refuse to lose to Spurs. I don't care if we lose 4-0 to Chelsea, City, Liverpool or United. Just do not lose to them. If you said to me now, Dan, it's not going to be very pretty, but it is going to be 0-0, I'd take it. Yeah, I'd take it. I'd bite your hand off. Yeah. Uh, Graham Sutherland, one of our regular listeners. Hey, dear mate. He says, hey, guys, hey, Graham. keep up the great work. We can speculate forever, but Arteta will stay or go based on results. So it's in his own hands, which is the way it should be. Yep. Agree with that. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Gino Corleone says, hi, Harry. Do you think players from anywhere in the world, when they see the way our manager treated Ozil, etc., they will want to come to our club knowing that Ozil ain't tr- Knowing that Ozil ain't trust the player, mate, ain't a joke. Didn't get that last line, but I get what you're trying to say. Do you think that the treatment of Mesut Ozil, Dan, um, will put other players off of coming to our football club? You know my thoughts on Mesut Ozil. Uh, What I will say is that I say two things. We're not going to see Mesut Ozil in an Arsenal shirt, so people need to just forget that. It's not going to happen in January when we have to re-register players. He's done at the club. My worry is that it could have split the dressing room. And I don't think that it's Arteta, potentially, that is treated um, 100% um, Arteta, who has treated him this way. But I do think he's had a big say in it. And I think that he does dislike his attitude. I think that there is something behind the scenes that we're not quite aware of. But it looks to me as if the dressing room could be either split or starting to be lost. So I'm not quite sure currently if that has helped the situation. What doesn't help is Mesut getting on Twitter every game saying, Yargon is Yar when we're 10 men down, Pepe gets sent off. And all of a sudden, it looks like the guy's just taking the mick out of the club. So Ozil doesn't do himself any favours. I honestly believe that the sooner we get rid of him and his poisonous PR side, the better it is for this football club moving forward. Ozil's had his days, 31, 32 now, is he? 32 now. We need to get rid of this guy and I can't wait for 2021 when him, Mustafi, Luiz, Chaka, Bellerin, Lacazette, Kalasanak, they all go. See you later. Let's go moving forward. I don't want to see those guys in the team that messed up in Baku. I want to see us move forward. So the quicker we get rid of Mesut Ozil, the better. Cool. It looks like he will be off at the end of the season. It doesn't look like um, like uh, there's any hope for him now. You know, I'd be very surprised if he was brought back into the squad. Uh, after January, when we're allowed to re-register, I, I, you know, I sit here and I, I talk about it every week. I feel like we we are majorly lacking in creativity. And as much as people don't like him, I still think he's better than Joe Willock. I still think he's better than Alexander Lacazette playing in a deeper role. So 
you know, I find it baffling. But obviously, as I've said before, to me, the whole thing doesn't sit right. But I also appreciate that I don't know the full story and therefore um, kind of just got to leave it there um, and stop sort of poking it because there's no hope for it. Thing is, I think he's, te- he's technically better. He is technically better. I mean, he's probably one of the technically the best player of the club, if I'm honest with you. Uh, mm. But when it comes to it, I don't believe I would rather see him in the side now that I know he's done and Arteta doesn't want him. I think people need to just either get on board with that or want Arteta out because the only way he's going to play again is if Arteta leaves. So you either yeah. want Ozil or you want Arteta. Arteta's decided that Ozil's not part of his future. And as much as he's better than Willock and Smithrow, I think personally I'd rather see those guys who are actually assisting more and creating more and scoring more than Mesut Ozil was given a chance moving forward now because they're our future and Ozil isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, let's... Uh, let, uh, there's one final question I want to put to you, Dan, before we wrap up tonight's stream. Now, we're recording this live after the Champions League fixtures. A round of Champions League fixtures in which Olivier Giroud has just scored four goals in Sevilla. Um, Of course, Sevilla, the current Europa League holder. So there are no pushovers by any stretch of the imagination. Do you look at Olivier Giroud sometimes and think, we made a mistake there? We made a mistake not feeling him, not making him, sorry, feel at home enough, not making him feel wanted enough when we started bringing in Lacazette Aubameyang. Because not only is he what appears to be a model professional in the sense of he's not playing regularly at Chelsea, he's not playing every week, but whenever he's given an opportunity, whenever he's called upon, he delivers. He also would give us a different option. And at this moment in time where Mikel Arteta's side are struggling to link up play in the forward areas, I actually think a centre-forward like Giroud would be absolutely perfect. Is this a bit of recency bias on my part? Is it because I'm seeing him do well? Is it because we're not doing well? Or do I have a point? Is Olivier Giroud someone that we made a mistake in letting go? The reason Giroud is being talked about at the moment is because of one man, Alexander Lacazette, or lack of threat, as I call him. If he was firing on all cylinders, or if Aubameyang was firing, or if both of them were firing, it doesn't matter what Olivier Giroud's doing because we've got two strikers that are banging form. The reason Olivier Giroud has been talked about at the moment is because our strikers can't finish their dinner. If it got to a stage where I had to pick one player, Olivier Giroud or Lacazette, I would go with Olivier Giroud. And everybody was slating Didier Deschamps for picking Giroud over Lacazette. I can totally see why. There is there is no... Olivier Giroud, I have a lot of respect for. I liked him as a player. I thought he was very underrated. But what I will say is one thing. He is a player that has used his attributes to the best of his ability to get to where he is. He's not a Kylian Mbappe. He's one of those players who holds the ball up. He's great with link-up play, brilliant in the air, a man mountain, brilliant doing those runs across the, po- the near post. Those, those sort of strikers, they're kind of rare. And I think that Giroud did have very, had a very good time, a very good career at Arsenal, and will go down as a great player for Chelsea in the last couple of seasons because he scored some great goals for him. And I do honestly believe that if we had one striker to choose it would be Olivier Giroud. Now, I understand why we sold him, because he was the domino effect to get Aubameyang. Because Batshuayi went to Chelsea. Giroud, sorry, Batshuayi went to Dortmund. Giroud went to Chelsea. Aubameyang come to Arsenal. That was how we got Aubameyang. So if people still wanted Giroud to stay, we wouldn't have had Aubameyang. And out of the two, of course, Aubameyang is an upgrade. But it would have been nice to have kept Giroud because I think he's a different dimension striker. He's somebody that would come on for like 20 minutes, 10 minutes, and he would change a game. I really liked the guy. Um, I think he got a lot of stick 
I don't think that he was ever a, a standalone striker when he was at Arsenal. I'd love to have seen Podolski or Theo Walcott with him at the time. They started to try Lacazette with him, but then appreciated that Aubameyang was the better option when Sven Mislintat come in, so Giroud was going to go out the other way. But it's a great point, Harry, because Didier Deschamps was always slated for bringing Giroud in instead of Martial and Lacazette, and I never saw that as an issue because it was doing well wonders for him. They he won, won a World, World Cup. Cup with it. He won a World exactly. Cup. Exactly. Look what exactly. he's won. Look what uh, look what Giroud has won. So I, I can't sit there and say that he, he's you know give him too much stick. And tonight. Proved again, scored four goals for Chelsea in the Champions League while we're playing in the Europa League against Rapid Vienna and Dundalk. So <laughs> it ain't done too bad for him, has he, Giroud? <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's have a look what you guys are saying on uh, the Giroud subject. Louis, Robbins, Louis Robson says, never made a mistake with Giroud. He wasn't good enough for us. Don't rate him as a player. Jack Bellardi says, Giroud wasn't good for us because we thought we were on the up. On the up. We are far from the up and he would still be okay now. Uh, Zip Dow agrees with you, Dan. He says, big facts, Dan Potts. Um, Hola Donkey says, always like Giroud. Mkhitaryan is doing well at Roma. Yeah, Mkhitaryan looks a decent player at Roma as well, to be fair. Um, credit where it's due. Uh, massive thank you to True Guna for your kind uh, super chat. Thank you so much, mate. He asks, is Dan related to Caractacus Potts? Now, oh. when I saw that, I had to Google this guy because I don't have a clue who Caractacus... Is, have I said that right? Caractacus Chee -chee Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I yeah, just seen it, man. I've just seen it, man. I didn't, uh, I didn't know who he was. So, well, True um, Guna, I, I'm sorry to say that no... But I used to always get when I was younger, because my dad's called Steve and obviously my first name's Dan. There's a Steve Potts used to play for West Ham and his son, Dan Potts, used to play for West Ham and now plays as a left back for Luton. Luton, and we used yes. to always, always, always get that. Oh, Dan Potts and Steve Potts. Yeah, there we go. Caractacus Potts. Potts, also known as Mr. Potts, is a down Dick on his luck inventor living in the English countryside in the 1910s. He's the one who rebuilds Chitty Chitty Bang Bang to the delight of the children after buying it for 30 shillings to prevent the car from becoming scrap metal. There you go. That is an interesting story um, and an interesting comparison. I really like that. Thank you so much, Drew Guna. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You mentioned that, um, that you get labelled as that Luton defender um, yeah. or that people have thought you were him. I actually did a podcast with you once and I, I found an article online that somebody had written about the podcast that we did. And they actually put Dan Potts, the Luton defender says, <laughs> and I was in fits. I was in absolute fits. Thought he Man, wishes he was Luton just defender. don't tell him, just leave it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, going back to the Giroud point, uh, Graham says, let's bring Giroud back. He's over 30 and plays for Chelsea. So he must be top of our wish list. <laughs> I like that, Graham. Yeah, great shot. <laughs> uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Jabulani says, Jurid is our past. He's a great guy, but he's our past. Same as Ozil, same as Ramsey. We need to look forward and not backwards. Great point. Um, great point. Yeah, good points. They're all good points. Keith says, Giroud's a big, strong striker. We ain't got anything like him now. Agreed. Tim says, Giroud, great in the air. Archie says, Giroud would be great for us right now, bringing Ober and Pepe into play to bring the best out of them. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's what that's what I was saying. I feel like the way we're playing now, where we're really missing that link up, because we don't have it from an attacking midfield position, we don't have any kind of link up centrally at the moment. Everything is diverted wide. And if you look at sort of the past maps and stuff from Arsenal's uh, recent fixtures, you'll see that very clearly as well. I will dig them out 
on another show when we get a bit more tactical. Uh, Selgius says, Giroud was so underrated when he played for Arsenal. He was one of the best impact subs. He also made many crucial assists. He was underrated due to his pace or lack of, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fatality says uh, he would have loved all those crosses we were whipping in the other night. Tierney and Giroud. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Tierney. Um, good point. Um, lots of sort of comments coming in. Um about Olivier Giroud, uh, lots of comments coming in about good old Dick Van Dyke as well. Um, <laughs> great stuff. Uh, great stuff. Arsenal O says, thanks for the stream, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we're going to leave it there because it's getting late here in the UK and Dan Potts has missed his bedtime by about half I an hour. Have, man, I have, man. Uh, so, so we're going to jump off. Um, but thank you to every single one of you for joining us for this live edition of the podcast. Thank you to those of you who are going to be listening to this back later on as well. Um, and uh, if you haven't already be sure to smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And we're going to be back with some more content for you tomorrow from the Emirates Stadium. Yes, fans are returning to the Emirates Stadium for our UEFA Europa League clash with Rapid Vienna. So I'll be bringing you a video from there. So turn your notifications on if you haven't already. And for those of you listening on audio, you'll get that uh, the next morning. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Stay safe and uh, all the best. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.